Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back here on the first team. I am Joe DeLeon. Joining me as always, former NFL and college QB Matt Sims, founder of the Sims Complete QB and also the host of Sims Complete on the Believe Network. With us as well, Ryan Roberts, NFL draft analyst and Irish breakdown recruiting analyst covering Notre Dame football. Today, we have our week 10 top performers, two running backs, a very talented quarterback that has been been improving over the past few weeks. I am, of course, talking about Carson Beck from Georgia. We're also going to get to Phil Maffa from Clemson and Kyle Manungai from Rutgers. Of course, we got to get a New Jersey guy in there if we can. Guys, I want to start us off here with Carson Beck, who early on in the season, I think a lot of people jumped to a a, a ton of early conclusions with a new offensive coordinator, uh, a new new faces in this offense as this Georgia team was trying to figure out their identity. Carson Beck wasn't playing bad, but statistically wasn't necessarily lighting it up. And every week he's not somebody like Michael Penix that's throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns. He's not throwing up crazy stats like Jane Daniels because that's not how this offense plays. But when they need him to make big plays, Carson Beck has been phenomenal and he has looked better and better each week for a player in his first starting season. And against Missouri, He went 21 for 32 for 254 yards and two touchdowns. Matt, as our obvious resident quarterback expert, I want to throw it to you first here talking about Carson Beck because I was excited when you recommended him and wanted to talk about him on today's show. What have you seen from Beck so far? Well, the first thing that I want to really mention and focus on is how is it possible that a quarterback can get better when his best weapon offense on offense is taken away from him. And and that's what's really cool. And that's why I want to focus on just Carson Beck in that regard, because since we have lost Brock Bowers in that starting lineup, he has done nothing but done a great job of making good decisions consistently, throwing the football aggressively and accurately down the field, and making a lot of plays in their vertical pass game without their best threat. And and I think that it just goes to the, the credit of the entire culture there at Georgia. This was a team that I, myself, along with so many others, was just continuously hating on. One, because we were tired of hearing about them. But as Carson Beck continues to improve at the position, which has been astronomical, he might be one of the most improved college football players in the NCAA right now, as far as from week one till now. I think Georgia really is capable of a three-peat because of his performance. He's getting better at moving in the pocket. He's getting better at just having a generalized feel of the situation that they're in, particularly on offense and third down situations. And he's slowly but surely, I feel like, starting to use his athleticism to his advantage too, which is something that early on in the year, it seemed like he was so stuck on just going like one to two and then he'd get sacked. Now he's playing a little bit more freely. You could see that he's trusting his instincts more. And you can't deny it, this dude has one of the more talented arms in all of college football. So right now, Carson Beck, if Dabo Sweeney in the Clemson Tigers stock is trending up, <laughs> Carson Beck's is is way up there in, in that regard. So just uh, I thought that this 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 young man is, has done a great job of improving right before our eyes each and every week in the SEC. Quick shout out, Joe. 
because Matt made a great point. Bro- <laughs> losing Brock Bowers is a massive loss for the Georgia offense for the short term. One massive help to them, though, offensively, is getting Lad McConkey back, who's one of the more yeah. underrated wide receivers in college football. I I hate that so many people get he also like, mischaracterized. By the way, a lot of people well, very mischaracterize his play style. I was actually about to say that is that I feel like people see this five eleven white receiver and they initially go to the Danny Amendola's of the world, right? The Wes Walkers of the world. This guy's got to be just your premier slot receiver who just wins in tight spaces and is a tough, gritty f- football player. But in actuality. My guy's probably going to run in the four threes at the combine when that happens, and he can run, man. He's an outside receiver who can be used all over the place, and he's been a big bump and big help to an offense that needed some dynamic ability after Brock Bowers was injured, obviously. And I think that this is a great thing. Matt, I kind of I kind of compare it a little bit to what we're seeing with Jalen Hurts in, in with the Eagles offense right now with you were able to lean on the run game so heavily early on and even earlier this season – And then he gets injured and he had to change his game a little bit, right? As far as winning more consistently from in the pocket, you're not able to do the same things outside of structure that you once were. So you have to be able to play better and more officially inside of structure. And we've seen Jalen Hurts over the last couple couple weeks with a lack of a run game really flourish from inside the pocket. And I feel like we're getting a similar thing with Carson Beck right now, as far as you can't just lean on your top five to 10 overall pick in Brock Bowers, an absolute freak. You have to be able to spread the football around a little bit more. More is going to be on your back, on your plates, as far as your ability to facilitate and and to push the ball vertically and to really distribute to different avenues. So I think that we've seen Carson Beck now take a step up a huge notch as far as being the guy that is the driving force behind this offense. And the great thing is, is that Brock Bowers is expected back at the end of the season too. So if we're getting a Carson Beck playing at a high level, Lad McConkey healthy, and Brock Bowers coming back, this passing offense has a chance to be something special down the stretch when they're probably going to need it most. Yeah, most definitely. And that, and that's what we want and expect from everyone right now at this time period in the season is we want you to be you know, gaining that steam, right? You want to be the hot team late in the year. And right now... Uh, I don't know if there's a hotter football team than Georgia. I mean, their performance against Missouri as a whole team, we had questions about their defense. We had questions about the offense of Carson Beck. I mean, that was one of the more impressive wins of the weekend as far as how they handled that Missouri team that has really done a great job of scoring a lot of points. Their quarterback has done a great job of managing football games consistently. Defense showed up. Carson Beck did a great job protecting the football, making great decisions, aggressive throws down the field. And you're absolutely right. Lad McConkie is one of those players that just does not get as much credit as he probably deserves. I also want to add in there, I feel like we spent a lot of the offseason hyping up the expectations for J.J. McCarthy with Duralar, with Kate Klubnick. And here we are, Carson Beck, I feel like wasn't even talked about that much. It was just a foregone conclusion that he was going to take over this job. And We were so focused on the defensive performances that Carson Beck, the way that he has improved on a week-to-week basis, has gone uncovered. And I think that right now, Beck deserves to be in that conversation by the end of the year. If Stetson Bennett can find his way to the Heisman ceremony, I could certainly see a world where Carson Beck does end up there as well. Not this year, but he's setting himself up, though, for for that campaign for next year. That's, That's definite. 
One thing I want to add as well, though, I I know that he's eligible for the 2024 NFL draft. And I I think that there's a possibility with the way that the the traits that he's expressed that he could go highly within the top 50 picks or so. But I feel like this is just purely off of assumption. I think realistically, he's somebody who goes back, though. I I feel like he just makes sense in that Georgia program. There's just too many quarterback names in this class that he would probably benefit next year being the year that he he enters. Yeah, it, it's very a very talented quarterback. He needs more repetitions for sure. Yeah, and and the I think the track record of one-year starting quarterbacks in college football transitioning to the NFL is not very good. I mean, you think about like yeah, the Marcus no. Sanchez's of the world, you think about the Mitch Trubisky's of the world. Like there's been a long list of guys with one year of starting experience that doesn't translate very well because experience matters so much, especially at that position. You know, being able to retain information and be able to be the face of a franchise like experience is a big help obviously in that transition and I I think that you hit on a key thing Joe is that there's no need to make the jump this year this is a very deep quarterback class yes we hyper focus on Caleb Williams and Drake May but there's a lot of names now potentially in this class the the Jane Daniels of the world the Michael Penixes of the world the Bo Nixes of the world the Michael Pratt's of the world and kind of working yeah. all the way down to a Cameron Ward, maybe that declares for Washington state. I mean, there is a deep, deep pool of quarterbacks this year. First year starting quarterback. When you kind of put all that stuff together, I don't think it makes sense for Carson Beck to leave early. If he goes back and has a big year though, maybe he's in the conversation as the top three quarterback in the 2025 NFL draft. I think he has that potential upside to him. Now getting to our first running back is one that scarred uh Ryan and I this weekend talking about Phil Maffa from Clemson who <laughs> ran all over them 36 carries 186 yards two touchdowns he alone managed to uh, uh managed to motivate me to turn off the TV very early on in the second quarter did not watch the rest of this game because of the way that Phil Maffa Maffa played I will say though my big thing with him it's really interesting knowing that we're, we're so focused on Will Shipley and everyone talks very highly of Will Shipley he's a good running back but Phil Maffa might be more talented than him. And Phil Maffa in the the upcoming draft, not this year, 2024, but 2025, could be a big name that's brought up in those top 150 picks. Ryan, I want to go to you first here because you were excited to talk about Maffa. What, What... what drew your attention with him? Well, first of all, you're not a real fan if you turn the ball, the, turn the game off in the second quarter. You're not a true no, fan. No, my mental health, my mental health needed me to turn that game off. Uh, I man. was not going to. It's, sit it's the that. year 2023. Mental health is very overrated. Let's be honest with ourselves. Obviously, <laughs> kidding there. Um, Phil Maffa, and I wouldn't even turn my cheek to say the 2024 NFL draft because he is a third year running back now. So you might take the steam and the momentum into the offseason and maybe declare for the NFL draft. I mean, there's still some questions as far as carrying the load consistently and his ball security is a little bit of an issue. I think he has four fumbles on the year. So that's a couple of things that needed to be cleaned up. Obviously, I mean, he fumbled twice in the Notre Dame game that we don't talk about because it didn't end up hurting them. But there is a whole lot to like Fomoff. I mean, he's 6'1", 230 pounds, and he is just a bull of a running back, man. I said this on the preview show between the Clemson before the Clemson Notre Dame game on the Irish breakdown channel that I was terrified of Phil Moffat coming into that football game. And unfortunately I was found to be correct because he is a tough uh, kid. to corral, man, he is physical came into the game averaging over six yards a carry on the season. I mean, he had been a very productive running back for Clemson in the touches that he was getting. And he's a guy that we need to start talking about, you know, kind of moving forward here. And if, and Clemson, I believe, is set to get Will Shipley back from he was he was in obviously in concussion protocol, 
And if they get him back and they gain some momentum from what they did against Notre Dame down the stretch, like, hey, man, they might only end up being eight and four type of football team ultimately when all is said and done. But they could be a dangerous football team in the sense that they could beat a couple people that maybe they shouldn't. Maybe you get into a bowl game and you beat a team that you shouldn't beat necessarily on paper because they have a running game that can that can get going and can get working. Phil Moffa, unfortunately, set the tone early on in that Notre Dame football game. Notre Dame had a rally. They were in contention in the end, but Phil Moffa was the driving force to why that lead happened in the first place. It certainly wasn't Cade Klubnick in that vaunted passing attack for the Clemson Tigers. Make sure you check out Bet Online for all of your sports betting needs. For anything that I do betting related, I go on over to betonline.ag and I use promo code BELIEVE50. Bet Online has all of the latest updated odds for the NFL and college football seasons. Anything you need, whether it's futures, live in-game betting, no matter what, your football betting needs are met at Bet Online. And again, make sure you use that promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V, five zero to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts Phil Moffat to me is, is has all the makings and all the attributes that you want to see in an NFL running back he's got the size he's got the speed he you can see that he's very comfortable with with reading the offensive line and making sharp aggressive cuts and then his Really, to me, for his size, to have that home run capability is, is something you don't see very often. And unlike Carson Beck in the quarterback position, where you could say, yeah, hey, go back, learn, get more experience, get better. If you're a running back and you get a good grade and you look like you can go a little bit higher up than you originally thought in the draft, you got to go. Because it's not like you're going to get better in your 30s and late in your 30s as a running back. You know, mm. look at Ezekiel Elliott and how good he was. The best years of him being an NFL running back were his first three years in the NFL. You know, and the same thing probably for a guy like Moffa, who's a big, strong dude, too. He's yeah. not getting any smaller. He, he's not going to get faster when he gets into the NFL. So what I'm impressed, though, with him, the physicality of his running w- was really something to to marvel at. And, and I think we both really got – all of us, excuse me, got a great, you know, view of why – the NFL doesn't pay running backs because Audrey Estime is an NFL running back to me. That was so fun watching him play, even though it seemed like it kind of slowed down as the game went along. But Phil Maffa, he's an NFL running back to me too. And, and with the right organization, he would be a great one-two punch right now. Imagine Maffa right now uh, on the Dallas Cowboys with Tony Pollard. Ooh. I mean, like that's like the kind of piece that they're missing is a physical guy that can get downhill like that but still has that game-breaking speed. I don't know how he is in pass protection. Ryan would know more about those things. He's good. But yeah. he's got a lot of things to like. I would love to see Clemson take more advantage of running backs like him in the screen game and to be creative with getting him the ball in space that way. But the running capability to me is very impressive. And I definitely got my eyes on this dude for the rest of his career at Clemson. Yeah. And and we'll see, obviously, how long that lasts. Because, again, like – I. Would I be shocked if Phil Moffa said, you know, I'm a third-year player. I'm the bell cow down the stretch here. If I take my shot at the NFL, it's fantastic. Because we talked about the quarterback position where experience matters so much. It actually kind of hurts you at running back. You know, like you don't want a guy that has a ton of tread on the tires. You don't want a guy that's been around the block a ton. You want a guy that maybe had limited carries in college, but is very talented and then goes in the NFL 
and he has a little bit more of a, I mean, the average NFL career is only have a little over three years and it's even less for a running back, right? So you want right. to be able to extend that window as much as possible. And it might be a good decision to potentially answer because he could say, hey, I was a very productive running back when I got opportunities. I was the bell cut on the stretch, but I also shared the ball with another dude. So there's limited tracks on the tread on these tires right now. I think Moffa has an interesting conversation to have after the season. And he's got to be careful too, because if I'm the head coach of like a team like Colorado, uh, mm. hey, Phil, how you doing? You know, come on over with us and run for the ball for, for my son Shador here, you know? That's a good point. He, he might be a, he could be a portal target. You never, you never know. And I'm sure that there will be a way for him to get tampered somewhere as well. But <laughs> tampering, uh, tampering doesn't happen, man. Business. That's illegal. Come on. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ha ha. Very, very, very funny. Uh, last guy that we have completely different build, but runs so freaking hard from New Jersey plays for the university of New Jersey. Rutgers Kyle Manungai. Rutgers running back this past week against one of the best rushing defenses in college football, 24 carries, 159 yards. He's been doing this all season long. Nobody that's been paying attention to, to Rutgers knows who Kyle Manungai is. I knew who Kyle Manungai was because I've been paying attention to Rutgers, <laughs> and I've been watching this five foot nine ball of muscle run through people. I love watching this kid play. I love the mentality that he brings to the position. All three of us as New Jersey guys, it's easy to appreciate someone like this. Matt, I want to go to you first here. What, what, do, you, what do you think of uh, Kyle Manungai and what he's done so far this season? So Kyle Manungai for me, uh, cool story. I'm going to I'm gonna pretend to be Ryan here for a second with my stories. Oh, no, <laughs> the Ryan outfit on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, put the, put the hat on backwards, ready to go, right? But, uh, uh, you know, what's really cool for me is that I've been able uh, to, to watch Kyle Manungai since his days at Don Bosco. Um, being a former graduate of Don Bosco, I, I go to games, you know, occasionally and see, you know, my school play and was always impressed with Kyle Manungai and his ability to play. He was the heart and soul of that football team while he was there. Always underappreciated because he didn't have quite that game breaking speed, you know, that everyone looks for at the running back position. He wasn't the a big enough presence, you know, for for the division one offers. And I can't lie, I was complaining on my radio show with ESPN uh, New York there with Mike Quick every Saturday morning saying, Rutgers, offer this dude because he is the epitome of just Greg Schiano. He's a hardworking guy. He's disciplined. He doesn't care about the attention. He loves the game of football. He loves going to work with his teammates. He has great dance moves if you've ever seen him on social media. But the coolest thing about him, though, too, is that I know this for a fact. He's one of the best pass-protecting running backs in the country right now. And to me, that is something that is always of high value to NFL rosters going forward. This is a guy that I know would give you everything he's got on special teams. He's got enough to do the stuff that you're asking him to do at the running back position running the football. He's physical. He is a, a almost a, a reincarnation for Rutgers as an Isaiah Pacheco is. You know, does a little of everything with just his heart and soul with every carry and then protects the quarterback when asked to with just the utmost bravery and perfect technique. So Kyle Manungai, just so happy to see his progression of his career because as a former Don Bosco alum, he just is the epitome of what our state is about, what my high school was about, our high school was about, and, and what Rutgers and Greg Shiano are trying to do with, with the chop mentality. So just really happy to see his success at the next level. 
Yeah, quick, yeah. Quick, quick shout out to quick shout <laughs> outs, yeah. of course, to what Graciano is doing again at Rutgers because the first time was yeah incredible. I mean, you talk about the Ray Rice, Mike Teal, Brian Leonard years, the Eric Fosters of the world on the defensive side of the football, the McCourty brothers. Like it was fantastic times in Rutgers football, and then honestly. The Chris Ash eras of the Rutgers football looked like the absolute worst that Rutgers could be. And there was a time where you were wondering, can they ever even be competitive in the Big Ten, let alone actually make some waves in the Big Ten? And fortunately, Graciano, after laying the foundation a couple of years now, is really starting to turn the tide there. Now sitting, what, at six foot, six and three? And, and actually yep. being competitive yeah. in just about every football game so far. I mean, they... We're hang, hung tough against Ohio State for a long time. They hung tough against Michigan for a half. I mean, they've been playing very quality football, which is great. Joe, you say you've been paying attention to Kyle Manungai, right? You've been paying attention to him? You know who's been paying it, it, more attention to him? RPM data that we consult for <laughs> literally had recommended him before this season started. Before the oh, season had even started, he had been on the table. That. He had been recommended to agents before the season even started, and he has made us look very, very good because that baseline that Matt talked about is incredible. He can catch the football. He's very dependable, hard runner, but the pass blocking is tremendous. I would be willing to say, and I'll even go a step further than Matt. Matt said he's one of the best pass blocking running backs in college football. I would say that he is the best pass blocking running back yeah. in all of college football, man. He wow. is dominant in that area, which is why he's going to last in the NFL for probably five to seven years because he does the dirty work. Just to kind of round out this point, um, love watching Manungai. I was enamored by the way that he played against Northwestern and he's had a good career, but this season he really exploded onto the map with the way that they played in that first game, just completely dominating Northwestern the way that they, they did. I also want to throw out there to Shiano, as you're talking about this progression for the team, what has worked so well in the first time, him as the head coach, and then now the second time around, that seemingly every coach in between just thought that they didn't need to do, which is recruiting the state of New Jersey. The state of New Jersey produces a lot of really good football recruits, a lot of high three-stars, sometimes low four-star kids, that if you keep them within the area, guys in Philly, guys in New York, if you keep them in that tri-state area, there is no other school that you should be competing with in that area, and it's a hotbed for talent that's just not talked about enough. So I give a lot of credit to what you guys are saying with Chiano, who's just doing a, a phenomenal job of keeping those guys in the region and knowing that there is uh, an underrated grouping of talent. I, I agree. Wrap, I, okay. I agree with the New Jersey conversation. A lot of great talent that comes out of New Jersey, except for the 2016 recruiting class. Like nobody came out of that recruiting class. Not a single player. <laughs> Why do you remember? Oh, you're talking about because of me. I just looked, I, I just looked it up, and you were a 2016 guy, right? Screw <laughs> you. We actually had I had a I had a teammate from Don Bosco from the 2016 class at Rhode Island, mm. and he's in the CFL right now. Will Mack, nice. LB oh Mack. yeah, yeah. I was LB he's playing in the CFL player. now. Oh man, that's good for him. He had, a, uh, he had he's, so he many. He was injuries. in the CFL. Yeah, he was in the CFL, and then he's kind of bounced around. I'm, he had a neck injury. I, we thought he was. We was I'm completely done. I'm surprised that young man's not a cyborg at this point, man. I'm proud that he isn't just all metal <laughs> at this point. So good for him. Uh, 
Uh, to wrap, we got a minute left to wrap yes. us. Ryan, you wanted to give a quick shout out to Jason, Jason Henderson, his his performance this past weekend, the Old Dominion linebacker. Once upon a time, I'm just kidding. Jason Henderson, two straight years <laughs> I now. I was about to cut you off. <laughs> two straight years now. Quietly led all of college football in total tackles in 2022 with over 180, 10 tackles for loss. So far this year, over 140 tackles already in nine football games and has 18 tackles for loss. So he has been a dynamic player coming off a game where he had 22 tackles for loss and three and uh, sorry, 22 tackles for loss, 22 total tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks against Coastal Carolina. My guy, number 42 for Old Dominion, the Monarchs, has been one of the absolute best linebackers in all of college football. We need to start giving more attention, folks, because, yes, he's on the – the G5 level, he's not playing at the biggest program of all time, but he is ultra productive and he will play on Sunday. So, yes, Jason Henderson, linebacker, Old Dominion. Great stuff. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. At Joe DeLeo and at Sims Complete QB, at Rise and Draft. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, drop a comment below, let us know what you think of the episode, and we'll be back with more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.